Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 101 called Alexi. Guys, I'm so excited to tell you about Belly for Women Prenatal, which just hit the market. 92% of women don't get even close to the 450 milligrams of recommended choline they need in their diets. And in a recent study, most prenatals don't contain much of any choline at all. Belly's women's formula includes 400 milligrams of choline. Belly did things differently when they created their prenatal. They looked at the research and they evaluated what key ingredients were needed to help women prepare their bodies to be the healthiest they can to conceive, grow, and welcome new little lives. Belly is formulated with the right nutrients to help boost your fertility, increase egg quality, and support IVF to increase your chances of conception and a healthy pregnancy. Then once you're pregnant, Belly is gentler on the stomach to reduce the effects of morning sickness made with methylated B vitamins and the right amount of choline to support your baby's development. To get started with Belly, go to bellybaby.com and use code ALLY15 for 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code ALLY, A-L-I-1-5 at bellybaby.com. That's B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. Thanks, Belly. Okay, guys. So today's guest is my friend, Alexi, who is one of the co-founders of this incredible store in Toronto and online. It's called Crying Out Loud, cryingoutloud.ca. And she founded that store with three other women because they were all going through early widowhood. They had all shared the experience of losing a partner at a young age. So today, Alexi is going to tell us all about her story, which starts before her husband unexpectedly passed away when they had their first daughter through IUI. And then we're going to get into that unexpected tragic death of her husband and Alexi rebuilding her life again in her 30s as a young widow. And now where she is today where she and her new partner are also experiencing infertility. So they've been going through IVF. She's going to tell us all about that and where she is now. So she's an incredible person. Definitely check out their store. And without further ado, this is Alexi's infertility story. Alexi, hello, friend. It's so good hello. to talk to you. How's it me going? Too. I'm good. Thank you. Let's start at the beginning. Tell me, what were you like as a kid? Were you maternal? Did you always want to have children when you grew up? Absolutely. I, I don't think I ever could have imagined a life without kids. You know, I didn't I didn't want a million kids. I, I always wanted two. But the thought of not having kids just never, never crossed my mind. Mm hmm. So yeah. fast, fast forwarding to when you started to get in the the mindset and the place where you got married, right? And then yeah. tell me about meeting your husband and what happened. How long before you guys started talking about you know starting a family? So we met in we met in university and didn't start dating though till a few years after that when we reconnected over Facebook. And I think it was about five years until we got married. And 
we didn't start trying immediately, but we got married when I was 30. So we were, you know, we knew that time would be potentially a factor. Mm -hmm. And so we started trying maybe like within the year. Mm -hmm. And so did you know anything at that point about your fertility and how, you know, like what happened as you got older and the eggs and the ovarian reserve and all that stuff? I mean, ish. (laughs) I (laughs) I knew that I was getting older. I mean, now I look back and I think like, imagine like being 30 and doing this, that would be a dream. Um, But at the time when you're 30, you feel old. And I guess at that point time, I was probably closer to 31. So, I mean, I had, I had an inkling that like there could be an issue, but I wasn't really expecting there to be an issue. I'd always had regular periods. I, you know, I had a few family members that had struggled with infertility, but for the most part, I hadn't like my mm-hmm. grandmother had 10 children and my other grandmother had seven children. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like I was from a fairly fertile breed. Had you um, talked to your family members about what they'd gone through? A little. It, it was a, a couple of my cousins. And yeah, we talked about it a little, mostly once I started to realize that I was also going to have problems. Mm-hmm. It just didn't happen. Just didn't happen right away. I think, I think I maybe went to my doctor a little bit before the year mark and sort of begged to to see a fertility doctor and and was able to and they did all the tests and there was nothing really wrong with either of us Um, Mm -hmm. so they tested you and your husband yeah they tested both and he had he had some motility issues Uh but it wasn't terrible like they were they weren't that concerned Uh um so we did clomid first and nothing happened and then we did two IUIs. Uh-huh. And How was the Clomid? It was, you know, it's funny. I, I listen to your podcast, so I, I hear people talk about Clomid. I don't really remember anything about it. Okay. Uh, so I, I don't feel like it's it, all or nothing. People yeah, either I don't go crazy. And f- yeah, people feel crazy. Or like you, there's been several people that are like, it was okay. It didn't really affect Yeah, like I, I, I have got to think that since I don't remember, it was fine. I've never heard anything in the middle, though. It's either like really bad or non, you know, nothing. Yeah, yeah. All I remember was thinking like it didn't work. Okay. And so we did two IUIs. And okay. How were the IUIs? did not work. Uh, it was fine. Like the experience was okay. The first two were unmedicated. Or, or like no shots mm-hmm. involved. Um, the second one, we had a chemical pregnancy, mm. which was interesting because we found out about the chemical pregnancy the day we found out, like we basically found out that we had been pregnant and were no longer pregnant in the same moment. Oh, wow. How did that yeah. feel? Awful. Um, what happened? Like, how did you find out you went in for a test or were you just... Yeah. Yeah, I guess they, they, whatever the levels were, they were able to say, you know, you were pregnant, but it's, you've already lost it. Ugh. And nothing really, it was so early that it, you know, it didn't, it wasn't a big ordeal sort of. Yeah. Um, How many weeks were you? Did you, did they know. say? Yeah. Like a few. Yeah. I had a chemical pregnancy as one of my miscarriages as well. And I, I, it's funny, like the terminology, right? Like I consider that a miscarriage. Yeah. And and it's only recently that I feel like I have allowed myself to feel that way. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, at the time I did feel that way. We, we went to my in-laws cottage that weekend and I, you know, I was pretty upset, but we didn't tell anybody 
and we, you know, I remember we placed a little rock by a tree, mm-hmm. um, kind of did our own little ceremony, but we didn't talk about it because I, I feel like I didn't have the right to talk about it. Like I just yeah. felt like it was too early for me to be feeling how I was feeling. And, you know, I, but I was obviously feeling something because I remember, I think I told you this the first time. I, I don't know what I had done. I, I made some comment to my niece and my brother-in-law said, he was obviously annoyed by my comment. And he said, why don't you get your own kid? Mm-hmm. And I just lost, I just lost it. Like mm-hmm. I just went to my husband and I was like, I can't, I can't actually be here. Yeah. Right now. Fair. <laughs> and we left and we went to his dad's who lived close by and I just cried and cried and cried and cried and was so upset. But, but then I sort of forced myself to get over it because I did not feel like, I didn't feel like I had like earned the right to be sad because I hadn't really ever had that moment to be happy. Mm-hmm. So we just sort of trudged along and did another IUI. And and I only sort of recently have sort of looked back and thought, wow, you know, I, I didn't give myself the permission I should have. Yeah, I think that's really that important loss. to point out because you hear a lot of times in this community, well, it was just a chemical pregnancy or, yeah. you know, it was just or I wasn't that far along or, you know, like people are. And that's OK if that's the way that people genuinely feel about it. I'm not saying everybody has to make a huge deal out of it if that doesn't seem normal for them either. But I think, like you said, it it is a loss and you need to give yourself time to grieve that and just acknowledge that, you know, it's not just anything. A loss is a loss. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, so then we kept trying. We did, we were basically the doctor had said, you know, you can do three IUIs and then we'll move to IVF. And we did the third IUI and and it worked. We got pregnant and we were able to, you know, carry to term. I have a beautiful five-year-old daughter. She was a dream. Um, pregnancy was okay. Uh-huh. Like no, no real problems. We had a bit of a scare with her kidneys at one point, but it turned out to be okay in the end. Uh-huh. We had a, actually had a bigger scare when she tested she false positive tested for cystic fibrosis Whoa. in her newborn test. And oh my gosh. So it was like the day after we brought her home, we got a call saying you need to bring her in for further testing because she's tested positive for cystic fibrosis. Oh my gosh. We were just devastated. Like yeah. it was horrible. And they told us in that moment, and, and I, I tell this story because I, I feel like people don't know this and, and everyone should know this, <laughs> that, so they do that test when, when they're born, it's one of those foot scraping tests mm-hmm. and it has a really high rate of false positives. Whoa. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. And they did tell us that on the phone, but of course you're not thinking you're like, right. for sure I'm the one. Like, Of course. <laughs> and so, yeah, we had to bring her in. They wanted us to come in the next day and my husband got on the phone and just lost it and was mm-hmm. like, absolutely not. We are coming right now. Right. Good. Time Absolutely. Test. So you have to go in and she has to do, she had to do a sweat test and, and then we had to wait a few hours to find out. And you know, they brought us into this room and, and it just had two chairs and a box of Kleenex. And I remember Jamie saying, he's like, this is the room. This is the room where they tell you the bad news for sure. It's the room with the Kleenex. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and absolutely. And they, I, like I've never been more terrified in my life. And and they came in and they said she was okay. Um, How long did you have to wait? 
a few hours. Oh my God. It's like the yeah. longest hours. It of was your the life. longest. Yeah. So I think from the time we got the call to the time we had the answer, it was like about eight hours. Mm-hmm. And it was the worst, you know, the worst. Of course. Because I don't, don't want... know if it was the worst eight hours of my life. I've, I've since had some pretty terrible hours, but. Right. Yes. Was... We'll get into all that yeah. too. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. Um, I remember, so... you know, you get all those tests, like you said, at the newborn screening. Yeah. And it's like, How's their hearing? How's their vision? You know, there's so many things that yeah. could go wrong. Yeah. Terrifying. And the, like yeah. when it doesn't go wrong, you realize, wow, it's kind of a miracle. Yeah. That there's like healthy babies. Lucky. And, you know, it's really so many things have to come together to have yeah. a healthy baby. Yeah, absolutely. You know, every now and then I see her sort of running in the street or, you know, doing something kind of active and and remember like, oh my goodness, like this almost didn't go this way. Yeah. Like, so, but, but anyways, it was, it was great. Other than a few scary moments, um, she's wonderful. She is everything I could have wanted mm-hmm. um, in a, in a daughter and, and really grateful that that worked out. And then just when everything was going well, we, we always knew we wanted more and we started, we didn't start trying like actively, like we were sort of, I think we were about a month away from going back to the clinic to be like, okay, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. But we had sort of, you know, we were trying, trying-ish. Right. Um, Did you think you would have to go back to IUIs? I assumed I would have to go back to IUIs, okay. but we thought, well, you know, we'll go back. I think we thought, I think our idea was to go back in January, mm-hmm. but from like October to December, we were just going to like try to like schedule ourselves mm-hmm. to like see maybe we would be those people who conceive naturally after after sure. not conceiving naturally. So that was sort of the place we were at. Yeah. Can I say too, I'm I'm excited to share a story about a successful IUI. You don't yeah. hear about that very often. You know, it's I feel like IUIs kind of get a bad rap sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Nice. I, I I've since learned that, you know, I, I didn't at the time I didn't realize how rare it is to mm-hmm to succeed um, Mm -hmm. at that stage. So, so yeah, very grateful for that. So, yeah, so we were, you know, trying for a second. It was December and it was Christmas Eve. And I woke up in the morning and got my daughter up. Normally, Jamie got up with her in the morning because I'm not a morning person but he didn't get up with her and she was crying and so I went to get her and I brought her downstairs and I made her breakfast and was getting sort of increasingly and increasingly irritated that he wasn't getting up I was like getting everything ready to go to his parents for Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. and he just like wasn't getting up and so I came into our room and he sounded like he was snoring really heavily but I could not wake him. Like I threw water in his face. I yelled. I was like hitting him, like, like shaking his shoulders, like screaming, wake up. And he wasn't mm-hmm. waking up. And mm-hmm. so ultimately I called the, I called 911 and within an hour he was gone. Oh my God, Alexi. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about terrifying moments. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrifying. It was, it was awful. Yeah. It's, you know, it was a blur. It was, it was like anyone's worst nightmare. You know, I I just remember like sitting beside my Christmas tree, you know, being like, what, like what is happening? Mm -hmm. So was he actually snoring and then no snoring or like snoring is like when you're dying, 
sometimes the body makes a noise like that sounds like snoring but uh-huh. it's the body shutting down um, but I didn't know that sure you know how would you know that so yeah so that uh, Adeline was 16 months old mm-hmm. and then at that point I was suddenly a single mom to a baby yeah um, I'm so sorry that that happened so you you're, you're sitting by the Christmas tree yeah yeah um, <sighs> and yeah, I mean, uh, the the months and days that followed were a bit of a blur. We, you know, I took time off work, which was great. Um, I, you know, I think here in Canada, we're, we're really lucky um, in that you, you, I think, get more time off than, than you do in the U.S. Probably. Canada is, is better in all regards of like healthcare, <laughs> grieving, like all yes. that stuff. I know. And then my company was really great. And in, in those early days, you know, and, and some of you might, some of you might know of, of my sort of side hustle business crying out loud. Yes. Um, we, just did, we just did our giveaway and sort of that was born in, in the, those early days because I met my co-founders who were also young widows, want Sarah had lost her husband a few months before. Mm -hmm. Um, And she sort of found me through this Facebook mom group that we Mm -hmm. were both a part of. And then Shannon's partner died a few weeks after mine. And I just happened to have come across his obituary and reached out to her. And that must have felt so great to find people that yeah. were going through what you were oh going goodness. through. These young, I don't know what I would being have Being a young widow, like you never thought that you would find yourself in that situation. Yes. I'm sure nobody ever does. No, no, absolutely not. And, you know, it's similar to, I think it's similar to the infertility community. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's groups online and, you know, probably it's not as many people, but, you know, there's, there's groups where you can sort of connect with people all over the world who are sure. going through the same thing and share your stories. And, you know, I was, I was really grateful to have found some people though, who lived like, they literally lived in my neighborhood. Wow. And we just became fast friends. Janice, we met almost a year later mm-hmm. um, when her husband passed away as well. Mm-hmm. And those girls got me through everything. Like, I just don't know where I would be without them. Right. If I didn't have somebody to go through like all the ups and downs and especially like people to laugh with, like, you know, there's things that are funny about death and no one else really understands that. Like there's things that we were able to laugh about with each other that like we really couldn't have laughed at with other people. Like, or like in the early, you know, when we started dating again, like, you know, that felt like something that felt awkward to talk to other people about, but they got it. Yeah. Like they got the need to exactly. keep going. And, and that, you know, just because you were dating somebody new didn't mean you didn't love your husband anymore. Right. Of it course. Just, your heart grew to make room for, for new love. You know, it's like when you have, well, I don't know, but I would imagine it's like when you have a second child mm-hmm. and you you know, you think, how could I possibly have more room to love? Like all my love is taken up by my first child. Right. But you do because your I can heart vouch. just it, expands. You, it's possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the same, it's the same way. So it was just really nice. You know, it, it was nice to like have someone to talk about like how weird it was to be on a dating app when you've never done that before and totally. you're doing it in your late thirties for the first time, like it was just so great to have them to go through it with. And obviously, you know, my family was amazing and 
you know, my, my friends were great, but they just didn't get Get it it. in the same way. Totally. That's the same parallel we can draw with, you know, fertility rally, which Blair and I've created is like, we like to bring for lack of a better word, some fun into this journey and some levity, you know, because it's like, it fucking sucks. And we all know that, but if we can like band together and find those pockets of joy and find those moments that are just absolutely ridiculous that we can laugh at, that we who are going through it or have gone through it only know ourselves because we've gone, you know, we've gone through yeah. the same thing. I, I, I think that's a you need really good that. parallel. You, you have community. to. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm so glad. So tell me about crying out loud. I know, yeah, so, like you said, we did a giveaway. You guys have a store. You've got such awesome products. And I love, like you said, there's there's a lot of stuff that has a wink and like a, yeah. you know, like a sense of humor. Like I posted yeah. one of your cards the other day that was like, Hey, 2020, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So we, we had sort of talked about like, wouldn't it be great to do something all together? Like, like make something beautiful out of all this mess. And we talked about the idea of like, people never know what to say and what to do when somebody dies. So you end up with like a whole bunch of edible arrangements and then a whole bunch of rotting fruit (laughs) or like a whole bunch of dead flowers that you didn't remember to take care of or you know like it it, and and not to say that like if you've ever sent those things to somebody that is absolutely fine Um, but we just thought like you know it would be nice to get something really meaningful and really mm-hmm. useful and, and a bit more unique. And so we had originally come up with the idea of kind of like curated gift boxes for grief and other shitty times right. in one's life. And then all of a sudden we had this opportunity to take over a retail space. And so really quickly, we just sort of said like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all had three of us had jobs at the time. One had just left her corporate job and we didn't really know what we were doing. Like only one of us really had retail experience, but we were just so passionate about it that we thought, you know, why not? Like, why Mm -hmm. not do this? And so we took on the lease and started building our business. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we are a, a store. We are online and we have obviously our little shop, we sell self-care products. Mm -hmm. Um, So we sell lots of books and things to help you take moments for yourself throughout the day, you know, whether that's bath products or essential oils or Mm -hmm. just a blanket or some cozy socks or candle, you know, just little things to to make you take some time for yourself, right? Um, nothing overly elaborate, you know, no, no shade to Gwyneth Paltrow, but we wanted to, um, we wanted to provide like a, a self care destination that wasn't pretentious, that sure. wasn't out of reach, you know, like yeah. we don't sell things that are super expensive, you know, it's not all or nothing. You don't need to commit to six yoga classes a week and, and plant-based diet every day. And you don't have to be all in. You just have to do your best with the time that you have. Sure. And, you know, we, we always say like our, our version of self-care is, is equally, equally about expletives and chocolate as it is about meditation and essential oils. Yeah. And, that's real you know, life. And I love that everything you guys carry is coming through this lens of grieving people that have had hardships and you know what people want and need. 
you know, so I think understanding the process and the grief process, you know what people want. And I think that makes you guys stand out from other places. The other side to our business is so we have sort of the self-care side. So like come in and buy something for yourself, whether that's because you're going through a hard time or because you aren't, but you really want to maintain your well-being. And the other side of it is a gifting destination. So we want to help people. And I think a lot of our customers come to us for gifts you want to help somebody through something. I mean, obviously it's great. You can come buy a Christmas gift or a birthday gift or, or whatever kind of gift um, that is sort of a standard gifting occasion, but you can also come and buy your friend a gift because she's getting divorced. Yeah. She's really sad mm-hmm. or because she lost her job or because she's going through infertility or, right. you know, whatever it is, you know, we, we help people sort of pull together a meaningful gift that will help that person take good care of themselves. And so we've got care packages. We've got like a grief care package. We have our infertility and infant loss care package. We have, you know, care packages for that promote family time and connecting. We've got a care package aimed at promoting sleep, Mm -hmm. Um, all sorts of sort of care packages that people can send. um, Right to people who need a little booster. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to what happened was happening in your life. So, yes. So fast forward a couple years and well, actually I'll go back a little bit. As soon as I sort of came up for air after my husband died, I started thinking about, well, for one, I I was grieving this loss of a second child that we didn't get to have. Mm -hmm. I always maintained that that was a big part of my grief. It still is, especially since we were so close Mm -hmm. to doing that. You know, I I wished we had done it sooner. I wished I had, you know, even though it would have been horrendous to have like two under two Mm -hmm. by myself, I really longed for that. Yeah. And, and I thought a lot about freezing my eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, And in hindsight, I should have done that. Mm. absolutely 100% I should have frozen my eggs but it Mm. seemed like a lot of money Mm. and I was like a bit of like a romantic in the sense that I was like well let's just see like let's just see what happens Mm -hmm. and I kept sort of pushing out the like if nothing's going on in my life that like is going to help me have a baby I'll freeze my eggs and I just kept pushing it out Again, in hindsight, that was a mistake. But anyways, here we are. That's where you were at that time, though. That makes sense. Yeah, I just like on it. And I honestly think if it had been cheaper, I would have done it. Mm -hmm. But just the idea at the time of spending $10,000 or however much it was going to cost more than that, more than that, probably like 20 to freeze my eggs just seemed ludicrous. Yeah, I think that's very common. And a lot of people (laughs) go through that, too. Yeah. So I didn't, but I did start dating. Eventually I started dating and it was, it was interesting. It yeah. was, like, I mean, we'd just been together for so long. So it'd been like, at that point we had been, when he died, we had dated for five years and we'd been married for five years. Uh-huh. So I was like 10 years out of practice, add on some time after, like I was really out of practice. Sure. And so at first, like the dating apps were kind of fun. Um, you know, I, I did more looking than anything. I, I went on very few dates. Mm-hmm. Also, it's, you know, I was very upfront about my situation mm-hmm. and that was too much for some people. I'm sure. Yeah. Like people just weren't ready to take on a widow um, with a child. Yep. It's not everyone's bag, which was great because like that really helped me weed out the ones that weren't for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But I went on a few dates and eventually I went on a date with James and he was this lovely British man who had just moved to Canada mm-hmm. and we sort of hit it off right away. He he will tell you that he was sort of like all in that first night. Like he talks about going back to his apartment and standing in the kitchen and being like, I think everything just changed. Wow. That's and cool. Yeah. I was like a little more hesitant out of the gate, probably because he was so great. Uh-huh. And suddenly it was like, oh, okay. Now I really need to like make a decision here because this isn't just for fun. This potentially right. could be something. Yeah. So I was a little slower out of the gate, but we just kept seeing each other and kept seeing each other. Eventually he met my daughter and he was so wonderful with her. He, you know, they got along so well and yeah, that's sort of the rest is history. And mm-hmm. we so are you now, guys are together now. We're together. We're engaged. Engaged, right. Um, he is like a very active father figure in my daughter's life. Mm-hmm. She that's actually wonderful. brought home an art project yesterday and it, it's in French and it said, Dans la famille de Adeline. So in Adeline's family, Ilya, mm-hmm. maman, papa, papa. So there is a picture of her and me and two two dads. Oh, um, that's so sweet. Yeah, it was so sweet. And so like that is our family. Right. We talk about Jamie all the time. Mm-hmm. We He's very much a part of our everyday. Mm-hmm. She's very aware of him. You know, she talks about him all the time she talks about how she misses him all the time mm-hmm. you know she can't actually probably remember but mm-hmm. she thinks she does yeah um, which is wonderful she knows lots about him and and you know we think of ourselves as a family of four wow that's really cool yeah yeah it's really it's really nice I feel very lucky mm-hmm. to have found someone who is willing to embrace all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't be easy all the time. Sure. Like he he takes it all in stride and he is incredibly patient and compassionate about everything, but it can't be easy. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, it's not lost on me how lucky I was to find somebody who took us as we were and and accepted that we did have this past right um, and and that how important it is mm-hmm. in everything that we do yeah so did you and James start talking about having more kids right away okay like right away like I we started trying before we got engaged mm-hmm we both knew like at this point like if I thought the clock was ticking before like now the clock was really ticking right um, and, and I kind of knew, like, I just thought, like, even if somehow things didn't work out, I wanted a baby. Yeah. You know, even if it ended up that we, like, got, we split up and then we co-parented, that was okay with me. You know, not that I anticipated that. Like, I, I didn't think we were going to break up, but I, I was just sort of, you know, I was comfortable that we were trying before right. we made this sort of forever commitment. So the, the other sort of piece, so I had my sort of previous fertility issues and we knew that we were going to have trouble because James had testicular cancer Mm. about eight or nine years ago. Okay. So when he was in his twenties, he had one testicle removed Mm -hmm. and he had had radiation. Mm -hmm. And so we knew that it wasn't impossible for us to have children, but it was going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Did they Um, freeze any of his sperm at the time? No, which Mm. is baffling to me Mm -hmm. now 
like why they didn't recommend that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, here we are. Sure. Um, And so as much as we knew, like we, that we had all these problems, we, I think we're a little naive. Like we thought like, well, we'll just just try, we'll Mm -hmm. try. And so I think it had been like about a year of like trying naturally when we, we finally went to the the clinic and they basically said right away, like you have to do IVF. Mm. Like you have no other chance. Not IUI. No IUIs. They were like, that would just be a waste of money and time. Like you need to do IVF and you need to do it now. Okay. So how long ago was this? This was, so we did our first IVF in last January. So it was probably a few months before that. 2019. Um, yeah. Or 2020. 20. So we, we would have started the conversations with the fertility clinic in 2019. And uh-huh. then we did our first round in 2020. Okay. The, the, the lucky year of <laughs> right I'm like that's so on brand for 2020 yeah like, I know now duh. that I think of it I'm like why did we even bother like, right that was just a waste of money so yeah so we you know we I, re- I remember this moment where he had been to the urologist or, or something and they were the ones I think who had told him like you you're gonna have to do IVF mm-hmm. or maybe or maybe he had, somehow he had had an appointment on his own where they had made this like call of like it's IVF and mm-hmm. I remember we were we were meeting after work I don't know I guess Adeline was with my parents or somebody and we were meeting after work we were going to play tennis and he told me and I <laughs> took the tennis racket and I like threw it in this like majorly dramatic moment of like uh-huh. I was so mad that like this was happening to me like I just saw like IVF I was like no fucking way. Like, right. I've had enough right. in this life. I can't handle this. Like, yeah. I was so mad. I love and you, I John McEnroe. You're right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a moment. It was a moment. I like, luckily, there was no one else there because right. it would have been so embarrassing. I, <laughs> it is, it's, that is very out of character for me. Yeah. Um, I think he was just like totally dumbfounded. Right. But in his mind, he was like, he saw IVF the way you saw IVF. Like he was like, whatever, we'll pay for it. We'll get our baby. Mm, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it sucks. It's money, but like, then we'll have our baby. Sure. <laughs> like, wh- why are you so mad? Um, yeah. Cause and- I thought going into it, just in case people haven't heard my story, like I was like, oh, IVF, you, you do the science and it, and it works. And yeah. thankfully for us, it did on the first round with our one and only healthy embryo. But now I know in retrospect, how damn lucky we were. Yeah. And I think I like, I don't know why I was jaded about it, but I did not go in with that expectation Mm. at the time. I think I, I sort of switched over to that thinking eventually, but I, at that time I was like, do you even have any idea how much it costs, how, what it's going to do to me, like what I'm going to have to go through, what like, you know, and then like, it only works this percentage of the time. Like I like somehow pulled these figures from like three or four or five years ago when I first thought about fertility. And anyways, I came around and we did it. And I think by the time we started, I started to believe that this was going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what changed, like just, but once I started, I was like, yeah, obviously if we're going to do all of this, it's going to work. We didn't have any insurance coverage. I think my, my work coverage covered a thousand dollars. Which is like a penny. Yeah. You're like, cool, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had zero coverage. Yeah. Too. So awful. I like it, it's still 
keeps me up at night how much money we've spent and right. spending. But we did it and I I kind of got into it. Like I, I decided that the first time I had done in, like fertility stuff, I was really secretive about it mm-hmm. um, and had really not opened up. And I guess just through all my life experiences, I had, I was like, you know what? No, like I'm not going to suffer in silence this time around. So I documented yeah. the whole thing on our Instagram stories, on mm-hmm. Crying Out Loud's Instagram stories. And if you go, there's like a highlight mm-hmm. for infertility. Yeah. So I like posted a bunch about it and I shared a bunch about it and I like did like, you know, I took pictures of like what it actually looks like in the place. And like when you're like, I just shared it all and and kind of got into that. And, and it just became this experience that was connecting me to people. Um, people were sharing and, and it was great. And I just really thought like, this is great. This is, this is just our journey. You know, like maybe we were just meant to have this journey mm-hmm. and then we'll have our baby and our family will be complete and we'll, you know, fly away into the sunset. Right. And that's exactly um, what happened, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> the um, end. Yeah, Good talking end. to you. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that did not happen. We had, I had like a good number of eggs. I can't remember how many now, like 18 or something. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, great, perfect. Here we go. I'm winning, winning the egg race. Mm -hmm. And we had the first time watching those numbers drop between the like egg retrieval and genetic testing was so awful. It's wild. Yeah. Like I, I was not prepared for that. Like no one had ever really warned me that it was normal to just watch those numbers drop and drop Mm -hmm. and drop. So Mm -hmm. it was like, I think, I think maybe we even had 20 to begin with and we ended up with three Mm -hmm. to send for genetic testing. So three embryos, not eggs, right? Three embryos to send for genetic testing. Got it. So we sent them for genetic testing and we sort of started to prepare ourselves for implantation thinking like, okay, if if something's going to go wrong, it's going to be the implantation that's going to go wrong. Like, well, let's just get them back and put them in. And then we, We'll start worrying again. Mm-hmm. What we weren't expecting to happen was for them to call and say that all three were genetically non-viable mm. and we had nothing to implant, mm-hmm. which was devastating. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, that is absolutely devastating. devastating. I like just could not believe that this was happening. It felt like a punch in the gut. It yeah. was it was just one of, I mean, I've said this now three times. It's one of the worst things that's ever happened to me, but it just felt so terrible. Yeah, um, absolutely. And the idea that like we were going to have to come up with more money to do that again mm-hmm. was just like, I just couldn't even, mm-hmm. I couldn't deal. And at this point we were, you know, we were engaged. So we had like a wedding to pay for mm-hmm. and it was just felt like it was too much. That said, we were like, okay, let's do it. Let's go. Let's, let's do it again. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. Let's go. So we took, we took like a couple months off and started again. And, and in that couple months, we, we start, we went to see a naturopath. I started to do mm-hmm. acupuncture. We started on a good path and then COVID came mm-hmm. and completely derailed everything, including our cycle, but also our, you know, all of our efforts to eat well and mm-hmm. not drink so much. And right, you right. Know, if, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not saying that's the be all and end all, but it just, 
you know, everything just felt like it was up in the air. Yeah. It just derailed your plans in many ways. Yes. Yes. We didn't, you know, we were kind of like, well, who knows when we're going to do this? Like, who cares? Like, right. Have that McDonald's again. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah. So it wasn't until the summer that the clinic reopened. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, and, and all this time, so our wedding is scheduled for next August. So actually this coming August now. Right. Um, 2021. Yeah. So I've been like this whole time planning that I'm going to have a baby before the wedding. Okay. And so as the months are going by, I'm thinking like, oh my God, like I'm going to only have like three weeks postpartum till before the wedding. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh my God, I'm going to have like a literal newborn, like three days old at the wedding. Doing the math. I think that's so common in this infertility (laughs) journey for everyone. It's like, you know, doing the the math of like, what's, what life experiences are you going, are coming up and -and so-and-so's wedding or such and such vacation. And And like, I do not want to be pregnant at my wedding. And I, and like, no, like, I mean, I think people who do that, that's amazing. But like, I know myself pregnant and like, I was sick. Yeah. I was sore. I was grumpy. Like, I don't want to spend money on a wedding and be miserable during the wedding. Totally. Um, That makes sense. But like, I even like, I bought a dress that would accommodate a bump if I needed it to. Okay. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, basically like as soon as the clinic opened, I was like, we need to go now, 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 because we are on it we are on a schedule. Right. (laughs) I have a wedding to attend. Totally. And so we like rushed right into it. So all of the things we had tried to do nutritionally were really like, we didn't Mm -hmm. um, have the benefit of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But still we were like, it's obviously going to work this time. Like Mm -hmm. this is like, it didn't work the first. So like, it's clearly going to work now. Like I somehow became more hopeful Mm by the failure because I was like, well, now we have to, like, it has to work. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like it has to, like, like how, how much, much more can we take? Yeah. Like how much more does the universe possibly have in store for me? Yeah. You have to give me this baby. And so we did another round this time. I mean, it was a lot easier in the sense that like I knew how to do the shots and I, mm-hmm. I knew what to expect and yeah, we did it all. And we, did the egg retrieval. I think I got like a few less eggs than the first time, but like still I had like in the late teens, mm-hmm. which was great. And everything we were, you know, pretty positive. And it was, we were at my parents' cottage and it was that like time where we were waiting for the update call to mm-hmm. tell us how many, like how many eggs we had lost essentially, <laughs> like mm-hmm. where the number had dropped to. Mm-hmm. And I missed the call and it, the the technician at the lab left a message mm. and he said, he was like, Hey, Alexi, um, I'm just calling with your update. Unfortunately, we, we don't have anything frozen yet. There's a, I don't know. I honestly can't remember the term of it. There was some, some word and then it cut off. Like the message just dropped and it's a weekend, a long oh, weekend. God, No. And I'm like, wait, wait, like what? what what did he say and James is like what did he say and like I I don't really know like he said some weird term that like I couldn't even really hear or understand and I think he said we don't have anything but he also said but and then it cut off so like maybe we do maybe we don't so my god 
I like frantically like tried to find like the number to call the lab, but it's like, it's literally a holiday Monday. Oh no. And I'm like, I just like pounded my fist so hard. I was like, no, No. I was like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? So finally I was able to email my team, like my nursing team at the clinic, because of course the lab is like located at the clinic and it's like side by side, but it's actually a different business. And she thankfully was able to get in touch with the guy who had called me to tell him, to tell him that the message cut off and he needed to call me back. So he did call me back and told us that we had, I think it was called P3 arrest, okay, which basically meant that some of the eggs had fertilized, but they just stopped like progressing. Mm -hmm. And at this point, there was one that they were, they had like a 1% hope that it might reach the point of being like a viable embryo, but like really probably was not going to, but they were going to watch it for one more day just in case. And the rest of them were duds. And we basically had nothing. Um, like we didn't even get to genetic testing this time. Mm. And he sort of explained it. Like, he's like, it's like pretty rare, this thing that happens. He's like, I really don't see it very often. You know, it could be the egg quality. It could be like a fluke. Like, I just like, he's like, I don't really know what to tell you. I'm so sorry. Gosh. You're like, that's what you want to hear. It's a fluke. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, you're on the receiving end of this very rare situation yeah because after the genetic testing one too like we were like so what is it and they were kind of like we don't know Mm. like it could just be a bad batch of eggs like Mm -hmm. like there's nothing to say this will happen again and like they're very encouraging after the first one that we try again so after the second one so first of all that in that moment, like I just, we were both just like crying and crying and we we're in our room there and crying and, and Addie came up stairs mm-hmm. and she doesn't know anything at this point about what we're doing. You know, she asks all the time for a sibling and we just sort of say like, yeah, maybe one day, like, right. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't know what's going on. And she was so incredible. I can't, tell you how incredible she was like she she's so empathetic like I don't know if it's because of what she's been through or if it's just mm-hmm. how she is but she mm-hmm. has so much empathy and she's Aww. you know she she came over and she she was like what's wrong like what happened and so we just told her mm. we just like told her everything mm-hmm. and she was like she was like it's okay she's like you have me and and that's enough oh, oh my goodness um, <gasps> And she, you know, she's like, if it doesn't work, like, it's okay. Oh, what a sweetheart. She's so sweet. And then she went downstairs and she came up and she'd made us a card. No. It was so amazing. And she said to me, she said, well, why didn't you tell me, mommy? Why didn't you tell me this was happening? And I was like, well, I didn't want you to worry. And then all of a sudden she clicked and she was like, is that why I had to go to grandma's all those times? Oh. When you went to the doctor? And I was like, yeah. And then I realized, like, you know, I'd just been telling her, like, mommy has an appointment, so you have to go to grandma's. And I didn't really think about what that was doing to her and what she was right. thinking. Kids are so smart. Yeah. And like, she was clearly like wondering what was happening with me. So I was like, glad I told her yes. and that she knew I wasn't sick, that right. I was just, 
you know, trying to make a brother or sister for yes. her um, and that Aww. it might work and it might not work. And, but it's really hard and it's really sad and we're allowed to be sad about it and we're allowed to cry about it. And yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it actually, it opened up a, a great dialogue and, yeah. and we've always been really open with our emotions with her. And like, I try to sort of model grief in a way that is healthy. Right. But, but yeah, I just, we had just never talked about this. Yeah. So. Well, that's the difference between not to generalize boys versus girls, but so you have a five-year-old girl and that's how she dealt with it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sonny, my five-year-old the other day was like, it was his birthday and we're like, Sonny, tomorrow you're going to be five. And he like pulls down his pants, starts like whipping <laughs> his penis around in a circle. And he goes, my penis is also going to be five. <laughs> So that's uh, where we're at. That's <laughs> amazing. No, she she has moments like that too. She's really into private parts right now. Yeah. So yeah, so we picked ourselves up. I mean, it was hard. I still can't believe that that happened. Yeah. But the worst part was that when, when we talked to the doctor, he was not very optimistic about okay. our chances. Um, yeah. So whereas the first one, he was sort of like, you know, that happens like, you just never know. It's just like a bad combination of genetics and it just didn't, it didn't work, but like, absolutely let's do this again. This time he was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's like, it's, he's like, I feel like it's not clearly the sperm. It's not clearly the egg. It's like, maybe both are bad in which case, like this might never work. He's like, I'm not optimistic about moving forward. I will, if you want, but like, I want to be realistic too. So that was really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And so we took a little bit of time. I mean, really, we were like, well, we're doing it. So like, <laughs> you better do it. Right. Um, we just weren't w willing to give up. But we did decide that we were going to take this like nutrition, naturopath stuff more seriously, mm -hmm. give it everything we could. So as of like the last week of August, we haven't had a drink or anything. We have gone down to one coffee a day mm -hmm. which was really like we just couldn't do more than that yeah <laughs> it, like it just wasn't possible um, I literally wake up and my first thought is coffee me too I'm not kidding yeah. I'm such a like yeah Kathy cartoon character yeah. when, the, when the naturopath told us that we could have one like she was like one is is fine because we, we thought we were going to have to cut it out altogether. And she was like, you do not have to do that. Mm -hmm. Just make make it one. And like make it one small, not like one venti. Honestly, I thought James was going to cry um, <laughs> when she said that. He was so relieved. So yeah, no trans fats. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to eat as organic as possible. Mm -hmm. No sugar. Aside from like bits of maple syrup here or there, which just really showed my Canadian-ness. But yeah, like we've just been on like a real health kick. Uh -huh. So we've done that for since we started the last week of August and we're still going. And we had a call with the our fertility doctor last week where he proposed a new approach that took us a little bit by shock. Um, okay. but we're coming around. So he wants to, us to do a half and half round, which I'd okay. never heard of. Mm hmm essentially he thinks that really the radiation is probably the problem the radiation okay. that james had had and that probably the sperm is the issue uh -huh. and he said if we do another round and we end up with nothing not only do we have nothing but we have no information right we don't know anything else and because it's not like my eggs are amazing 
like may, it could be an egg issue. And so he's recommending that we use a sperm donor for half of the eggs Okay. and use James's sperm for half of the eggs. Okay. So, I mean, that was a shock because as much as like, I think we, we sort of knew eventually we might get there. We just weren't there yet. Yeah. So, you know, we, we obviously talked about it a lot. I think we have the benefit of our situation in that I know, and he knows that he is capable of loving a child that is not genetically his own. Yeah. We see it. It's, it's, this is our reality. You right. know, we, he is absolutely Adeline's dad. You know, mm-hmm. she has two dads and he's one of them. And I've, you know, I have that benefit that I wouldn't otherwise have of knowing that love is love. Yeah. And you can love a child who isn't genetically related to you. I see it absolutely. every single day. I've talked to yeah. so many people in that situation too. Yeah. And you're exactly right. Yep. But it's still hard. You know, of he course. still needs to grieve the loss, yeah. the potential grieve loss. The loss of um, genetics. Yeah. yeah. And and he needs to work through that. And and it's it breaks my heart. Like I just it breaks my heart for him that he because I know as much as he loves Adeline, he wants a child of his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I and I think he's frustrated that it was cancer that took that away from him. Yeah. You know, I think he's, it's just, it's a lot to come to terms with. Definitely. Um, so we. Okay. So you're still, we, this is still yeah, new. It's new. very new. Processing. It's very this. new, but we don't have a lot of time. Right. So what's your time? What do you think so, time frame was? Um, so we're, we're starting our, we're basically starting like at the end of the month mm-hmm. on like the birth control weeks and then, and then right into the cycle. Okay. So I think we've you know, landed on the fact that we're going to do this half and half cycle. Yeah. Because at least this way, like hopefully we end up with something. Yeah. But if we don't, then we know it's an egg issue. Mm-hmm. And then if we want to do it again, we know we need to try an egg we, donor. Okay. Or or we need to do something totally different, like a sure. doctor or do something. Like we just, if, if we did it the other way, we would literally be left with nothing and no yeah. information. So at least the doctor said this way we can like, Maybe we'll get something. Hopefully we'll get something. I mean, hopefully we get something on with James's sperm. Like hopefully all these lifestyle changes we've made right. will, will help and like we will get something through. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Alexi. And Alexi, thank you so much for sharing all of that. We are rooting for you as your story continues. So guys, definitely check out cryingoutloud.ca online. And also wanted to let you know that Fertility Rally Live, the spring edition is happening on April 17th. So mark your calendars. We are going to have an all day virtual event with speakers and panels and giveaways and tons of excitement and of course fun so mark your calendars for 417 and also in the meantime definitely check out our membership site fertility rally our site is down right now so check us out on instagram at fertility rally and you can find everything you need there so thanks for listening talk to you guys next time